Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Welcome to Two Guys, One Book. This is episode two, where we are reviewing our first book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Barrent, which is a nonfiction book. It's kind of a murder mystery, um, but it also has a lot of funny moments and interesting character profiles. It takes place in Savannah, Georgia, and a lot of crazy things happen. So <laughs> Brian's going to talk about why he chose this book and wanted to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first, I didn't know it was nonfiction. I thought it was a fiction book. It was recommended to me by my brother. He recommended it to both me and my sister because my sister went to Savannah last year. And he said, oh, there's this great book about Savannah. Makes you want to go there. And if you've been there, it's even better. So, yeah, more than happy to knock this one off my to-read list. And it makes me want to travel to Savannah now, Does too. It really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what my brother said, but... Yeah. Me, not so much. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay. But yeah, the, so the, the book is about a journalist from New York who lives in New York and then he travels to Savannah for vacation. He likes Savannah so much, he stays there more and more off and on for several years. And then one of the prominent characters he meets commits murder. And he claims it's in self-defense, but he goes on trial for a first-degree murder. And the first couple get overturned by the Georgia State Supreme Court after he's found guilty. He spends a couple years in jail, then they get overturned again. And then eventually the fourth time around, he gets found not guilty. And the journalist is the narrator of the book. He talks about all the people he meets in Savannah. He goes into the history of Savannah a little bit. And Jim Williams is the main character. He kills his handyman slash lover, Danny Hansford, in self-defense and is eventually exonerated. And it's based on true story. So it's all centered around this murder. But throughout the story, there's lots of interesting character profiles and fun situations and circumstances so we'll talk more about that so what was your first impression tim first makes you want to go to savannah (laughs) just the people in general i thought the characters were really fun in that sense i'm just talking about overall as a city it sounded cool the way he described it the book itself i was disappointed Ooh. yeah (laughs) okay because it sounds like this is going to be this dark suspenseful murder mystery book Mm -hmm. from the title from the cover everything leading up to before reading this, but I just didn't get that feeling actually reading the book. I, I didn't feel much suspense. I didn't feel much excitement. It was just like, oh, there's a murder that happened, mm-hmm. and then here's Savannah. And I like the Savannah <laughs> parts. Savannah sounds cool. Lots of interesting characters, but I, I mean, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was not a murder mystery, air quotes around mystery, you know? It was just an interesting character story. Some things were entertaining, and I I enjoyed the book. You know, I felt like it took me a while to get into it. He had all these different stories about different characters at the beginning, and then the murder happens. And then for me, that's when it got interesting, is the murder happens and all these trials and everything going on. But... I thought there would be more to all the character stuff in the first parts that would materialize you know, in the later half of the book, and mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like that really was the case. So by background, this guy is a magazine writer, right? All right. And it feels like he's good at these short profiles on people, but as far as tying together a whole narrative, having structure, I just don't think he really pulled it off. Dang. Yeah. All right. I mean, you want a Pulitzer for nonfiction yeah. writing. Well, but, whatever. What do I, I think, know? <laughs> I think that was... More so, if there's not a murder, this never happens. Yeah. It felt like he couldn't decide if he wanted this to be a murder mystery or a comedy because he had all these funny parts. I don't oh, know. Really? You thought like, I mean, authors mix genres. Sure. But it just felt like he was a little bit scattered. Yeah. 
I mean, I liked it. I guess you liked it. I enjoyed it. Okay. I just didn't love it. All right, sure. Yeah. Oh, I think that's an accurate statement. Yeah. I just feel like I was mm -hmm. misled mm -hmm. in, in terms of what this would be like. I did watch the trailer for the movie then, mm -hmm. and the movie looks terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a quintessential mid '90s. Oh my goodness, Kevin and Spacey, Kevin Spacey, John Jim Cusack. Williams. Yeah, yeah, John Cusack's the narrator, the author in this. It looks. And then they bad. had Jude Law as Danny Hansford. It looked like they followed the story though. Yeah, it did. Like, how would you classify that as a movie? What genre would you put that in? That's a tough question. That's a yeah. thing. This had no clear feel to it. But you're right. It, I think it is too anticlimactic for a movie. There's no suspense up to a murder. It's just like, oh, and then there was a murder, and here's here <laughs> well, are some I other things. I thought it was interesting how uh, during the the third trial, I think, with the bags over Danny Hansford's hands yeah. to take them to the lab to get gunshot residue, you mm -hmm. know, test on, how the police were adamant they put the paper bags around the hands at the crime scene, and then, yeah. you no, know, the person at the ER put the plastic bags around the hands, which I thought that was interesting, you know, how the gunshot residue could have rubbed off in the ambulance ride over, and then when she put the plastic bags on, it created state static electricity that could have even further removed. I thought that was interesting, but... Is that climatic? The whole last like fourth of the book is trial stuff. Then like voodoo witch doctor yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention that. So Nerva is the voodoo priestess that helps Jim Williams out casting spells. I guess it's the South, and I guess that's part of Savannah. I kind of dug one part of the voodoo thing was that at the very end when they go to Danny Hansford's grave, mm -hmm. like trying to make amends to the deceased. Yeah. That I kind of dug, you know, like I, I get that. Like all this other stuff with the roots and the, yeah. and going to Dr. Buzzard. Apparently Minerva's lover was Dr. Buzzard who died. And I do have, well, as I say, Dr. Buzzard's a good name for a voodoo practitioner. <laughs> you know, I did like that. All right, Tim, so what were some parts you actually liked? I would say the characters were my favorite part, specifically mm -hmm. Joe Odom. Oh. I loved him as a character. He's yeah. like the quintessential Southern gentleman mm -hmm. and just the most charming character like you'd ever mm -hmm. heard about, I thought. I mean, what were your impressions of him? Oh, Joe Odom? I didn't really think he was entirely necessary. Oh my god. <laughs> he was like the oh. biggest redeeming quality of this book. I like Jim Williams more than Joe Odom. I thought Jim Williams what's, was more What's to like about Jim Williams? Not necessarily like him. I just felt like he was more intriguing because like his antiques and then we find out like he acted in self-defense yes but like his story wasn't quite what he first let on for us to believe mm -hmm. that eventually like, when Danny Hansford went to shoot Jim the safety was on so nothing really sh shot at him so Jim grabbed another gun shot Danny before he could get the safety off yeah and then he just fired Danny's gun to cover it up so I thought that was compelling I mean Joe Odom he was just kind of like a vagrant who 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 jumped from house to house and, and like he didn't pay anybody with bad checks just a piano guy and just so you're coming at this from more of the crime perspective of the book right you're interested in that angle sure i'm interested in these random people like joe odom because it just it was funny how he could kind of talk his way out of any situation he was giving bad checks to everybody but like everybody still kind of loved him and he was sort of the life of the party. He played the piano and people would come through his house, like just hundreds of tourists. And he just sounded like a fun guy, a fun character in the book. I guess We so. can agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Williams, I, I don't think he brought much to the table as a lead. He was just sort of I mean, this rich guy. Yeah, I get I don't know, man. Ordering all these I mean, fancy antiques. But he was the one that committed the murder. You know, like that's... he's a, That doesn't inherently make someone interesting, though. When the whole book is 
pivoted on that. Oh, so, but yeah, you're right. I am. I am focusing on the crime aspect. Yeah. Of it. I am not. Yeah, because as an individual, right. Assume right. he didn't do a murder. Right. Assume he didn't do a murder. Yeah, like I still think he's interesting. To, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll move on. Yeah, move along. <laughs> I liked Emma, the singer. Okay. They called her the Lady mm. of Six Thousand right. Songs. Right. I thought she was kind of a fun side character. Mm. Just music in general seemed like a big part of Savannah life, partying and drinking. They kind of like to enjoy themselves. They talk about Johnny Mercer a lot. Which did you know much about him going into this? The singer. Oh no! I mean, I knew he. He was a singer and songwriter, mm-hmm. and you know, very popular in his day. But I didn't he, know. I he mean, did that song "Moon River" mm-hmm. in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, or he wrote it, and Audrey Hepburn sang it. But yeah, so Jim Williams lives I don't in his think house. Audrey Hepburn sang it. Did Audrey Hepburn sing it in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Right? Did she really? I think so. We can look it up. Yeah, <laughs> figure that out later. It's irrelevant. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Jim Williams lives in Johnny Mercer's old house. It right? wasn't. Johnny Mercer never lived in that house. If you remember in the book, they said that was the thing that the tour guides got wrong was that Johnny Mercer never actually lived there. His great uncle did or something like that. Ah, Okay. Yeah. So his family had lived there, but not Johnny Mercer himself. But everybody who lived there is like proud of Johnny Mercer and Mm -hmm. his, you know, kind of status there. Right. Right. The other famous person from Savannah, Conrad Aiken, the, the poet. I don't know him. I I only heard his name before, mm-hmm. but then the story they talk about him. He was the one where his dad killed his mother and then committed suicide, and then they were both buried in his parents were buried in Savannah. Then he moved away, became a poet, but then in later life he moved back and lived next door to his childhood home where that happened. Yeah, and he got buried in the cemetery. I did like that when when the author is just first getting to Savannah. Like I think Miss Hardy says. I'm going to take you to visit the dead. <laughs> and I like cemeteries, so I can appreciate that aspect. And then she takes him to the cemetery where Conrad Aiken is buried and Johnny Mercer is buried and all that stuff. And eventually where Danny Hansberg is buried. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the cover of this book is they're in the cemetery, mm-hmm. that statue. So another character I really liked was the Lady Chablis, okay, who yeah. is this oh, yeah. drag queen, yep. just a really big personality. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see her interact with the narrator, who, just on paper, he doesn't sound like the most interesting guy. He's just this guy from New York who needed some excitement in his life, so he goes down south. But this drag queen just mm-hmm. was really entertaining, very, like, kind of standoffish, and mm-hmm. but fun, like, kept things light. Sure. Yeah, I do like her, her uh, motto she got from her mother. Do you remember that? Mm. Two tears in a bucket, mm-hmm. motherfucker. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the one part where we first are introduced to Lady Chablis, and she talks about how she changed her name to Chablis when she was, you know, and like, oh, what was your name before that? She's like, Frank. <laughs> 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 I did like that part, too. And you're, I felt like she really spiced it up. Like, yeah. I mean, like, the, you know, yeah, the, there was a lot of interesting characters, which, yes, I think she was definitely the most memorable. But... In in no way was she really related to the crime, which made this feel like a disconnected book to me. Like, I loved her as a character, right? but it just felt like two stories. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one interesting character was Lee Adler, who's kind of like Jim Williams' rival in mm-hmm. the town. Mm-hmm. Um, it just struck me that there is a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes competition and mm-hmm. sort of people vying for status and things like that in the community right what did you think what did i think of lee adler yeah i i personally didn't see the point of him honestly <laughs> you didn't see him. um i mean i guess as jim williams's rival sure 
And I guess by talking about Lee Adler, he went into the history of Savannah and a little more about that. Fine. But... All right, let me give my take. Okay. So it's interesting how they talk about him trying to come off as like this holier-than-thou figure sure. because they, they would bring him to Washington, talk about how he's like restoring housing for like poor communities and things like that. But it seemed like it's all sort of for show. He didn't seem like a really genuine guy. But he was also like Jewish and kind of scorned by the typical Savannah lifestyle. So I feel like they were using him as a character to give some contrast. And he also paid the lawyer who was prosecuting Jim Williams' case. Well, he, like, supported him. As district attorney. Yeah. He, he, he paid money for his campaign to be district attorney. Yeah. He didn't pay but the he's, lawyer. He, I mean, it's pretty clear he's, like, yeah, he's right. very supportive right. of him. Mm-hmm. I'm very much picking up that you were solely in this book for the characters. Pretty much. Did you have any of those little ones? So you're just, you're just going over your favorite characters right now. Emma mm-hmm. Kelly, mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Adler, Lady Chablis. Yep. Any other ones that stuck out to you at all? Um, no, I thought those were the ones that mm-hmm. added the most to the story. Mm-hmm. Well, oh yeah, I see. So you were, you were viewing the characters, uh, the random characters that we met along the way, you were viewing them as what they added to the story? In terms of just making things interesting. Okay. Like, this book is just showing how eccentric people in Savannah can be, and I think the author did a good job of highlighting that. So that's what I liked about it. All right. Well, we can, we can, we can we, disagree. We, we, yes. No, we, we can blend some things because it, it's appearing that what you liked about the book is what I disliked about the book. You dislike the characters? No, I, I'm not saying that. I disliked the amount of characters. Right. I felt like... It was a distraction. I felt like Emma Kelly, we followed her on a day when she goes around singing at all, and playing piano at all these places. Yeah. It was like for like 10 pages. And I was like, what was the point of that? Lady Chablis, I like just because her entertainment factor. Right. But she didn't, like you said, she didn't add anything to the actual story. Mm-hmm. And Lee Adler, I guess, is there to provide, like you said, the context of like giving Savannah some depth that, yes, he might be doing this for selfish reasons, fixing up old homes, but he's also Jewish and maybe not accepted by the people of Savannah. So I, I kind of get that. But like Luther Driggers... The guy uh, yeah. with, the, with the fluorescent fish, and we're falling <laughs> around him and Serena Dolls. Like, I, what's the point of that? He was entertaining how quirky he was. Like, he had flies that he kept on a string. Yeah, okay. I'm quirky, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm quirky. No, let me pose a theory here. Okay. I think that I wish the book had just chose to be solely about the characters that not even dealt with the crime stuff. Ooh. And you wish... From your perspective, you're saying all these characters were a distraction from this crime element, and I can understand that, but I just think we'd rather see the book have taken separate directions. And I think that's what it makes it, the book then is like, what is it trying to be? You know? Yeah. I, and I think, I think for some people who are just along for the ride, they might like it more than us, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think we took two different routes. You, the character route, me, the crime mm-hmm. route, and... I guess we didn't appreciate the other side well, of things. I think oh, it's boy. the author's responsibility. I think he should have been a little more deliberate in his route. Ooh, it was okay. 400 I mean, pages, 400 yeah, but, pages, and he couldn't, it was too much. But but like you said, he's a newspaper reporter guy. Yeah. So like, I kind of feel like that is how this is written. Like you said, in shorter in mm-hmm. shorter bits about characters. and, and Yeah, a bunch of articles strung up together. I just didn't see the point of a lot of these characters... But what I, I did enjoy was the very small characters we got to meet. Like, 
the two I'm thinking of is Mr. Glover, mm-hmm. who's still walking the dog. Like, that was a short little thing that, <laughs> that makes Savannah seem quirky. So his dog had died. But... No, he was, he was, he walked the dog for some rich guy. Yeah. The rich guy died and, and left in his will that Mr. Glover should get paid every week for walking his dog. Mm-hmm. Until the, and then the dog died. And yeah. The, and the guy and Mr. Glover goes to the judge and says, hey, "Well, judge, the dog died. I guess you don't have to pay me each week to go walk the dog." And the judge is like, "Well, what are you talking about, Mr. Glover? I see the dog behind you right now, and as long as he's there, you keep walking the dog, and we'll keep paying you." Yeah. And so everyone around town, he he doesn't have anything. He's not walking a dog, but everyone in town asks him if he's walking the dog. He's like, "Yes, sir. I'm walking the dog. Come on, Patrick." Which. First, how do you feel about human names for animals? You're getting sidetracked. <laughs> I, I know, but like that's what I found interesting is the dog's name was Patrick. I think that's fine. You think it's fine? Yeah. What uh, do you name your pets? <laughs> I don't have any pets. Have Have you had pets before? I've had pets. I had a cat growing up, an orange cat named Marmalade. Oh, so okay. that was it. So any pet named a human name, you're just I don't totally know. against. I don't know. <laughs> not, not totally against. Not totally against. Just think it's a little odd. That's all. But so I liked Mr. Glover. And then the other one I liked was a little short thing where the author goes to another store where there's an owner that sits in like the corner and never moves. And mm-hmm. then there's a salesman that walks around the store helping customers and taking inventory and everything. And the salesman has one eye. He has a carefully applied arc of purple eyeshadow that blazed like a lurid sunset on his left eyelid. And so he had this mascara on his left eye and his and he and and cuz he is a, you know, crossdresser, but he he knows that the owner never moves from the corner of the office, so he only does half his face and walks like a crab around the office. So that the owner only sees half his face, and the owner knows that he does it, but the owner doesn't care. He, yeah. He's a good worker. I thought that was a cool that was little funny. thing. Yeah, you know those little asides. Yeah, like, yeah. So I mean, but like that's just it. If if you're gonna have characters that are gonna show examples of the quirkiness of a town like Savannah, that's all you need. You don't have to follow Emma Kelly for our six thousand songs right. or Luther Driggers trying to have fluorescent fish in a tank. Right. It didn't move the story along. No, and it just. For how long they dwelled on it. Right, correct. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm I sorry, I, we got sidetracked, but there was still a lot of things I liked. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm big on the opening of a book, and and I just liked how he described Jim Williams in the, on the very first page. He was tall, about 50, with darkly handsome, almost sinister features, a neatly trimmed mustache, hair turning silver at the temples, and eyes so black they were like the tinted windows of a limousine. He could see out, but you couldn't see in. Mm. So I, I kind of dug that. And, and a few other things I liked when he would talk about when Jim was in jail and one of the cellmates was acting like a dog. Oh my God. That was so <laughs> funny. I wrote that down. Yeah. That was hilarious. That was. Do you want to describe the. Well, well, like, so Jim is in jail after being convicted for murder the second time, I think. Yeah. And, and waiting an appeal. And he spends like two years in, in the county jail. And he's kept in the cell with. Uh, how do they put it? The homosexuals and the mentally unstable. Yep. And so he, but he has a telephone. He calls and does business on the telephone. And but one of the cellmates came in who acts like a dog, barking and on all, all fours and lifting his leg and peeing on things. And one time he was on a phone trying to sell or buy antiques, 
And then this guy, the, the cellmate was barking like a dog. And he's like, oh, that's just my Russian wolfhound. <laughs> and then, he, and then the, 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 the cellmate changed octaves and started barking higher. And then Jim Williams was like, oh, that's my other dog, the Yorkie. Or yeah. And he's like, won't someone please put the dogs out in the garden? And then the other cellmates all tackle the, the guy barking the dog. And I could just have that picture of like almost like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they're all just ganging up on some mentally unstable person and having him shut up. But, you know, Tim, I could tell that this guy was an intellectual from New York, you know, one of those coastal elites. So uh, I, have, I have a quiz for you, Tim. Oh, God. Can okay. you tell me what these words mean, sure. the definition of some of these words? Because there were some words in here that I honestly had to look up. And, yeah. I, and, you know, that's a bonus to reading is that you expand your vocabulary and you want to become more well-read, right? Yeah. So I have words here that I had to look up. And I want to see if you know what they mean. Okay. Obsequious. Oh, stubborn. Stubborn, unyielding. Yeah. Wow, nice, Tim. <laughs> Imperious. Oh, that's one I had to Google too. Yeah. I, remember him, I remember him using it. I forget. Domineering in a haughty manner, oh, dictatorial, yeah. overbearing. And uh, appropri- uh, opprobrious. I don't know. Opprobrious is. To convey or express opprobrium, and opprobrium <laughs> is the disgrace or reproach incurred by conduct considered outrageously shameful. Yeah. Because he was talking about, I did like this thing at the end, when, when Jim Williams is back home after being found not guilty, he's back home and he's sorting through the cards of an in and out for his big Christmas party. And I like that because it, it, it gave the author a way within the story to kind of re- well, review what happened to these characters. I mean, like you said, this was several years of Savannah life, and so Jim Williams was going to put on this party for the first time in years, and he would have the people he would include in the party on his instant in pile, and then the people he would exclude on the out pile. Mm-hmm. And he would go through these cards, Luther Driggers, Serena Dawes, and then he came to Joe Odom, and he thought about Joe Odom and his financial troubles and woes, and he split up with his woman, Mandy, I think. And then he put Joe Odom in the in pile because he knew that Joe Odom would put on a good face despite the opprobrious glances from the other partygoers. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did. I like that little bit, how he could kind of recap the story, what happened with the characters through Jim's uh, Christmas party. Yeah, the Christmas party was a good way to catch everybody up on Mm -hmm. what people are doing right but maybe he didn't need to use these big words all the time (laughs) these new york words but no the christmas party was funny there was one scene where it just kind of goes from conversation to conversation from different people at one of the parties one year Mm -hmm. and it's just really funny because everybody has some interesting backstory it's funny everybody's rich but kind of crazy and everybody has a gun just with them but they're all (laughs) drinking a ton of alcohol another thing i liked was you know at the very end minerva and the narrator are um going to the graves at bonaventure cemetery Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to assuage danny hansford's spirit let jim be but then they they, there's a little thing he says we pass the graves of bonaventure's two most famous residents johnny mercer and conrad aiken Mercer's epitaph affirming a hereafter in which angels sing, Aiken's raising the specter of doubt and of, of destinations unknown. I thought that was cool. <laughs> that was good. The two most famous people from Savannah buried there, mm-hmm. their gravestones reflect two different views on the afterlife. Mm. And I think that was good and evil. Midnight in the Garden, good and evil. Yeah. Uh, you know, heaven and hell, the dichotomy of life. Yeah. 
Anything else you liked about? Well, just to talk more about that voodoo, I thought it was funny, like <laughs> how specific it would get, because the witch woman or Minerva, she'd just be like, "Did you have a a quart jar with a label on it and nine shiny dimes and like dove's blood or something? Just like really specific stuff." I yeah. just thought it got mm-hmm. pretty funny. Oh, you like that, huh? <laughs> it was it was entertaining. I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I think the author is describing it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way. Also, a character I thought, last one I'll talk about it, mm-hmm. is Sonny Siler, the lawyer, the second lawyer he hires. Yeah. Because he's like this really intense kind of football guy. Mm-hmm. And he owns er, <laughs> the Georgia Bulldog, like yeah. the mascot. Right. It was was his dog. Right. Which okay. is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Ugga. Yeah. And so there were like four Uggas that he had who <laughs> like over the years. But he just like was obsessed with his bulldog. Yeah. That I think they might funny. be on Ugga six by now. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I mean it, I mean, yes. Didn't he, add to the plot. No, it didn't I mean But it's funny. <laughs> sure, sure. I guess I'm comparing it slightly to another book that I really, really like is Catch Twenty Two. And Catch-22 has a lot of interesting characters, but they all contribute to, I, I feel, the, the, the whole overall arc of the story. They're all intertwined mm-hmm. within the storyline. I felt like the, a lot of these characters were introduced in the first half of the book. We never hear from again. Or if we do, they're not in any way relative to the story. It was just a choppy kind of storyline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of flow to it. But no. Anyway, so... How, what do you want to move on to next? Well, what, what, what I mean, do we want to elaborate on what we disliked? I mean, it, it was mainly for me, the characters. <laughs> and like I said, in the first half, it's fine. Like, if they want to establish zany characters, that's fine. It took me a second to get into it because of all the characters. I was wondering where this was going. And then once the crime happened, I was ready and interested to see what would happen. But then after Jim was in jail for those two years, when we talked about him being in a cell and trying to conduct his business from the jail cell. He says Savannah forgot about Jim, and then he was going on these tangents about the Savannah College of Art and Design, or that one woman whose daughter, was she wanted her to be ballerina, but she turned out to be a police officer. I was like, no, that's another like five to 10 pages where I didn't really see what the point of that was. I mean, it could have been him just trying to pad the book to make it a little thicker for, I'm sure his editor didn't want, you know, just 250 pages on it. He, they probably wanted something longer. Uh, but he wrote this over the course of like eight years or something and he's only written like one other book so i just don't think he's like a writer necessarily that's hard a novelist yeah yeah because i mean i i know i mean that's one thing i'm hesitant about this is i don't want to critique people too harshly yeah because this guy's a better writer than i am yeah a lot of people like this book. Yeah, and it's a bestseller, yeah. won the Pulitzer, whatever, you know, but... So, can we talk more about Savannah? Because I think that's oh, sure. what drew people to this, yes. largely. Yes, So, some interesting things about it. It's laid out in this kind of square pattern, like these different squares. And then you have these Spanish moss trees, or this cool kind of vegetation. So, it's just got a unique feel to it, I guess, mm-hmm. this southern feeling. And then, so they said Savannah was a coastal town, so they're used to, like, hosting people... And so they're friendly and social, but they're also sort of in their own world. Like they don't want to be part of a bigger thing than themselves. And I think that's what makes the place interesting. Right. I did like the very end, talking about Savannah, he says, the ordinary become extraordinary, eccentrics thrived, every nuance and quirk of personality achieved greater brilliance in that lush enclosure than would have been possible anywhere else in the world. And I I dig that. And, And that... 
very much comes across in the, in this book with these characters. Yes, they are very much engrossed in the world of Savannah, don't care about anybody really outside of Savannah. He goes at lengths to say that Lady Chablis is really the only one that even travels outside of Savannah and goes to the other towns nearby. It seems like an interesting place. Let me read just the last line because I think it kind of goes off of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The author says, for me, Savannah's resistance to change was its saving grace. The city looked inward, sealed off from the noises and distractions of the world at large. It grew inward too, and in such a way that its people flourished like hothouse plants tended by an indulgent gardener. Ah, I think yeah. that's a good line. Yeah. I did enjoy yeah, that, that as well. But And it was just funny how much everybody just like partied there and gossiped. I looked at an interview with the author oh. uh, on YouTube, and he talked about gossip too, and how big a role that was in the town. Because he said that they gossip more than anywhere else he's been to. And that kind of encourages strange behavior. Because it's like the stranger you are, the more people are going to talk about you. Mm -hmm. So they sort of appreciate their eccentrics. Whereas if you're just a weird person in like, I don't know, around here, then you're, you're sort of shunned. But there they kind of encourage it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I mean... I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough about the characters. Though. But Savannah likes their isolation. They're friendly to tourists, it sounds like, but they don't want to just be like every other place. They're friendly to tourists, yeah. not transplants that move there. Is that That was reputation? my impression. That I was mean, my impression. Yeah. Because, yes, they're, they're, they're welcoming to tourists because they know tourists are, will come and go, but anybody who comes... My impression was that if anybody comes from the outside, it takes them a while to get part, be part of the social structure that is Savannah. Yeah. It's a small place, and they want to preserve their kind of dynamics, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yep. So, do you have anything else you want to Well, did to you say? like Lady Chablis at the debutante ball? Yeah, that was that was a fun <laughs> scene. Also, didn't move the story along. No. But, but I will entertaining. say, I, I enjoyed that as well. Yes. So, was... just to give a brief description, <laughs> she goes to this, like, black debutante ball, which... Well, the narrator does. Oh, he's yeah. invited. Yeah, the narrator. And, and he tells Lady Chablis he's going, and she wants to go along, but he's kind of like, no, I'm just going to go this by myself, because these are these are uh, dignified individuals. Yeah. And, and she Chablis, crashes it. Yeah, <laughs> crashes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like, she keeps it low-key at first, but then she gradually just yes. kind of, you know, does a big fuck you to the whole thing, <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah. To her, it was rebelling, I think, against the, these black neighbors of hers who were seemed like maybe they were trying to assimilate to the mainstream culture, mm -hmm. whereas she's someone who's so like proud and independent. I mm -hmm. think she was sort of resentful of them, Sure, was my feeling. Did you notice Lady Chablis plays herself in the movie? That's her? Yeah. Really? Oh, I yeah. saw a photo. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I get, she asked to, I think, in the I mean, that's just it. I don't think, like, who do you cast yeah. to play, you know, a black... <laughs> Drag queen. Yeah. It's funny so, that Clint Eastwood directed this. I yeah. wouldn't have pegged him as like the director. Of... Well, that was still early in his directing career. Although, did he direct Unforgiven? I think that was like his first. It's hit or miss with his movies, let's be real. Yeah. And what did else? you see how they did Minerva in the, in the movie, in the trailer? It looked very much weird. I feel like they made her just be like a kooky zany person when I feel like they could have done something darker. Yeah. I mean, that's just my impression. They could have the given though. her more depth. It yeah. looked like they made her sort of this really silly character which a lot of, a lot of the voodoo yeah. was silly <laughs> yeah. my my sense and you kind of touch on this i think yeah. is that a lot of the voodoo was sort of rooted in like a therapeutic element 
where she would say something about how Jim Williams had to forgive Danny or yes. be on good terms with him. And even though there's all the metaphysical stuff is probably kind of nonsense, but just this sense of making amends or forgiving these people. I thought that was interesting. Yes, I agree. I, that's the part I liked. That was my big takeaway. And especially at the end when she's going to the cemetery to, to, to give Danny Hansford some wild turkey or whatever she pours <laughs> in on his grave. Yeah. And, you know, yes, that's the part I, I dig with the voodoo. But, yeah, this all, the other, all the other stuff was like, like how much the bad voodoo she put on, like the judge and the DA and this, that, that stuff. Did that really, I mean, like, I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, all the curses yeah, were a little yeah. much. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to your part of the story that you like with the characters. Yeah. So starting to wrap up, this was our, our first book review. Yep. So I know it's going to be kind of choppy. We're still learning yeah. our, our craft. And I think that's okay. Yeah. And, and so, yes, we want to include more input from the, our community of listeners, hopefully in the future. Yeah. All um, zero of them right now. <laughs> I mean, what's that? All, All zero yeah. of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yes if you want to tell us what you think of midnight in the garden of good and evil you can still comment on our website by all means we will definitely read those uh, and uh, yes we want to incorporate more viewer or listener input in the future so the next episode we'll do is fear and loathing in las vegas yeah. by hunter s thompson yeah looking forward to that one yeah so do you want to give all... a final rating on yeah. midnight in the garden of good and let's, evil let's wrap it up yeah you sure okay all right, so we're going to go, do we include zero, or is it just one to five? One to five. I think one's low enough. We probably won't review a zero, but... No, right? Yeah. yeah. So one to five. You want me to go first? Yeah. Three. Really? Yeah. What are you going to say? You're not going to say five. No. Three or four. I was thinking three, too. Huh? So I was surprised. Why'd you ask surprise when because I Because I thought, I thought you were going to dog the book some more. So yeah, I was going to go three. Yeah. Because... Three. Yeah, so six oh, out of ten. Three out of five. Yeah, three out of five. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. It's a three book. Yeah, it is. It's fine. It's yes. not bad. No, it just didn't I blow th- us away. Right. I think it is entertaining. If you want a just good casual read, yeah, I think this is your book. I don't think it's gonna grab you mm-hmm. with suspense, but like you said, there's a lot of zany characters that keep you entertained, mm-hmm. and yeah. If you read this, you'll learn about interesting city. Mm-hmm. You'll read about some eccentric people, and there's a murder. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fun. And nefarious goings-ons <laughs> in the book. But yeah, so I'm glad we're getting this thing started. I'm yeah. glad to get this book checked off my to-read list. Even if it's a three out of five, that's still a worthy book to read. So I'm looking forward to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. and your explanation of why you're making us read it. <laughs> okay, all right. We can save it for the next episode, though. Yeah, so. I'm looking forward to that book. Yeah, me too. And please leave your feedback on our website okay. and let us know how we can improve in yeah, the future. absolutely.